This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Roger Highfield, he's a member of the UK's Medical Research Council, he's science director at Science Museum Group, and he's written about his concerns regarding a winter wave, a second wave of the virus. Good morning to you, Roger. Good morning. Um, there are lots of question marks about what governments should do to deal with uh, a, a, a pandemic and, and whether or not different countries have done things right, locking down sooner, harder, not locking down at all, just offering guidance like uh, uh, Sweden has done. Let's talk about just where we are right now. Yesterday, we saw 2,420 positive coronavirus infections uh, being tested. That's doubling. It doubled over the weekend, although that figure was actually lower than the, those, two, those two days. 30 people die, which is three times the current normal daily average we've been seeing. Does that tell you that we are entering either a, a spike or a second wave? I think it is slightly alarming. I mean, I, I, there's another statistic you should know, which is only about 5 or 10% of the UK populations encountered the virus. So that means 90% of people don't have any immunity. So, you know, there's still a lot of people that could be infected and get very sick and also die, unfortunately. And you're right, those numbers tell a slightly alarming story. We've seen quite a dramatic surge in cases. We've seen uh, a big leap in deaths. And remember, the deaths are telling you about the status of the pandemic about two, three, four weeks ago or so. So we know that there's probably worse to come. And the problem with um, this disease is that, you know, as expressed by the R number, you need R below one for it to ebb away. R above one, it grows exponentially. Uh, So that's people are used to kind of linear growth. They're not used to exponential growth. We've got R now between about 0.9 and 1.1. So we're just on um, the, the, the cusp of the epidemic taking off again. And that's why actually we do need to act quite promptly to nip it in the bud. And of course, it's such a difficult balancing act to get the economy going and yet protect people at the same time. Okay, now, okay, we all—I mean, I think we've all spent a lot of time talking about the R number yeah. in recent weeks. We know, I think, a lot of people now have got to grips with you know, the exponential growth, and the numbers can be very low, but it's the doubling rate. So, for yeah. instance, we are—we we, new infections are doubling every nine days. Uh, a week ago or so, it was—they were doubling every twenty days. So we are seeing that, and that's back to the sort of sort of doubling rate that we were in, in early April. So that's something to pay attention to. Now, when we were seeing even just a week or two ago infections going up 
um, largely among young people, but hospitalizations not going up and deaths not going up. And and also that was the case in France and many other countries seeing infection rates going up as well. Um, there were a lot of people, a lot, including a lot of medical and scientific experts and virologists simply saying, look, um, we are we are seeing an increased uh, infection rate because we're testing more. Our, our testing capacity has gone up also exponentially. And, uh, and therefore we are finding people who we wouldn't have found it before. When you say, you know, only five or 10 percent of the population have encountered the virus, um, that's the people we know about. But there's lots of evidence that there is this T cell immunity, that, that something like 30 percent of the population may or 20 or 30 percent may well actually just be able from from previous coronaviruses, very similar viruses and um, actually have a natural immunity. Um, we also know now that huge, huge, huge numbers of people can have this virus. And not only do they not get hospital treatment or die, they don't get any symptoms at all. I mean, not even a mild cough. And therefore, there is some talk that actually we may well be close to herd immunity already. We know places like Sweden, they think they may well be there. In which case, is there really a risk of a second wave? Because if you look at all the graphs, you look at all the charts, of all the, the death rates, um, the hospitalisation rates and everything, for pretty much every country in the Western world, Regardless of when we locked down, how much we locked down, whether there was a formal lockdown or not, as in Sweden didn't do that, they followed pretty much almost identical paths with the coronavirus, which are very similar expected paths for any other uh, a virus of this sort. In which case, why are we fearing a second wave? Well, I'd, I'd love to, you know, agree with you and feel relaxed about coming into the winter. But the reality is, if you read a, a big report by the Academy of Medical Sciences, where they tried to get the great and the good uh, to, to think about the, a winter wave. Um, the worst case scenario, so this is a scenario, not a prediction, mm. is that it could, be, it could kill twice as many people as the first wave. And the reason we're worried about the winter is when you look at the behavior of other coronaviruses, and of course we don't know for sure with this one, you find that as people, you know, give up their bikes to get back on the tube for the winter, as they gather more together mm. because of the changes in humidity and temperature, other coronaviruses tend to cause more illness. And of yeah. course we tend to get flu waves as well. So the feeling has been we've got to really suppress the pandemic before we go into the winter. And that's why there is general alarm among most experts, and I agree with you, there are others who, are, who, who, who dispute this, that we've got to do something quite prompt now so we don't get back in the same kind of mess we got in back in March of this but year. You, you mentioned that worst-case scenario, and again, it was a reasonable worst-case scenario. But again, that, as always, as we, as we saw with Professor Neil Ferguson from Imperial College and his worst-case scenarios, that was assuming no social distancing and no reasonable measures being taken. The vast majority of people I see now, you know, they're wearing masks when in public transport in shops, they're washing their hands, they're, 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 they're sanitising, they're being careful, they're socially distancing. I mean, some people aren't, but there are always going to be some people who break the law and, and the rest of us uh, being safe keeps us safe from them. Um, the, the, there is no reason to think that we we would suffer the worst case scenario as long as people maintain the reasonable social distancing measures and the and the hygiene measures that we've already been doing most of us since about February. Well, I, I agree with you, except that, as, as you pointed out right at the start, we've had quite a big jump, quite a big change mm. in the nature of the pandemic in the last two or three days. And as we found, you know, in March, if we'd locked down a few days earlier, we would have saved thousands and thousands of lives. So you've got to be really quick when something grows exponentially. And that's why 
you know, there is this going to be this announcement this afternoon to tighten things, to make sure we don't get back in that mess all over again. Once it starts spreading like wildfire through that 90%, which, again, I, I agree with you. Some people don't believe the 90% figure, but that, that's the general consensus figure. Then we're going to be in real trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, this thing, I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a medical expert. I never pretend to be. I, I do try and read around and, and read what, you know, the alternative viewpoints are. I'm, I'm not, I've never been sort of a lockdown sceptic. I've, I mean, happy to go along. Let's be careful. However, the evidence seems to be pretty clear now. If you're under the age of 60, your chances of having any serious effects from this virus are are pretty much, I mean, they're, they're as low as they could possibly be. I mean, you've got more chance of being hit by a bus and dying, frankly, on any given day, uh, by a long way. Um, it is mostly, so nine out of 10 deaths are people over 60. Five out of 10 deaths are people over 80, who, yeah. who realistically, with all due respect, and I've got parents in their late 70s, hello if you're listening, but realistically, people in their 80s don't actually have uh, very many years to live. There is going to be a trade-off, and we all know there is was going to be a trade-off, between keeping our economy going and allowing people to have the general liberties of going about their lives and, and you know, children going to school and the, all of the costs of a lockdown in terms of cat, people dying from cancer treatments, that they, they can't have cancer without getting treatment, heart attacks because they, they're afraid of going to hospital, all of the mental health effects, all of that added in versus keeping some people alive who would otherwise die of coronavirus. I, I worry that we are making the wrong choices at this point and that actually, realistically, we now know that the vast majority of people in this country, now we have much more information than we did in February and March um, and April, we, you know, when we hit the peak, that, that actually you know, this is not a high risk for most people. We don't shut down our economy every year when there's a bad flu virus doing the rounds and we often lose you know tens of thousands of people to that. Why would we shut down our lives for the coronavirus? Well, I think the first thing to say is the reason we were wrong-footed by coronavirus at the start of the pandemic was we, we, we treated it like flu and we realised that was a mistake. And what's pernicious about coronavirus, and you alluded to it earlier, is that quite a substantial number of people, you know, and it depends which study and which circumstances, which age group, let's say about 40% can be infected they shed virus, they feel reasonably fine, and they're infecting everyone around them. Um, and the, the problem is, and again, it, it depends on the circumstances, you know, let, let's say 1% of people exposed to the virus die. Well, you know, the problem with this is... But it's it, less than it, that, it, isn't it? It spreads so easily um, that, yes, there's a preponderance of elderly people, but that's a lot of people. You know, if you, take, if you accept we've got 90% of people who've not been exposed... Uh, and 90% of the UK population and 1% of those are going to die. That's a huge number of deaths. But it's not, but, but it's not, it's not got a 1%. Be... It's not got a 1% death rate. I mean, we'll say, well, can, we not, can we not shield... We said not an argument it's... to shield elderly people so, or, or, or you know, not necessarily force them, but say, look, here's the deal. If you're over 70, you've got higher risk. The rest of us are going to be out and about with socially distanced hygiene. We're going about our daily lives. Um, but you should probably keep yourself safe and keep away from people. It, would that not be a more sensible way of keeping people alive? I mean, we could have saved thousands of deaths, you say, by, by, by not, um, thousands of lives by, not, by going into lockdown a bit earlier. But actually, if we'd gone into lockdown earlier, but we still did what we did with care homes, we'd have lost the same number of people. This is about protecting the people who need to be protected and letting everyone else, frankly, take their chances. I think the problem here is that um, young people who um, have been kind of, the, you know, violated a lot of, yeah. sort of things about mask wearing and gathering and so on, they have mothers, fathers, grandparents and 
so on and so mm. forth. And I think it's incredibly difficult to hermetically seal off elderly people think, from, from that segment. I was, was going to say, it's, it's rather easier than hermetically sealing off every single household in the country. But yeah, um, Roger Highfield, really appreciate you joining us. Great to have your point of view. Great to have your expertise. Uh, Science Director at Science Museum Group and member of the UK's Medical Research Council. Really appreciate that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Right now, let's talk about the other big story doing the rounds, and that is uh, the extraordinary scenes in the House of Commons yesterday when the Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis, uh, was asked whether or not uh, the new bill to be published today to change parts of the Brexit deal, the withdrawal agreement relating to Northern Ireland, whether or not that could break international law. It was a question from a Tory MP, uh, Bob Neill. Brandon Lewis replied that, yes, it would in a very specific and limited way. So I'm looking forward to using that defence when it comes to uh, uh, breaking coronavirus rules, eh? Let's talk to uh, Kevin Marr. He's a former Labour advisor to the Northern Ireland Secretary, Sean Woodward, and he's also author of United Ireland, Why Unification is Inevitable and How It Will Come About. Good morning to you, Kevin. Morning, Julia. Uh, lovely to speak to you. Um, it was an extraordinary moment in the House of Commons yesterday. You can see the faces even of the backbench Tory MPs uh, when Brandon Lewis said this. Um, Theresa May also criticising uh, this new bill to be published today and saying, look, it risks undermining trust in the UK government because it strikes future trade deals if we are saying, well, we will or we won't breach a particular aspects of an agreement. Um, this all relates to the withdrawal agreement, doesn't it? Which which is a, a, a legal international treaty. Um, why is the government saying they can justify uh, uh, breaking it in a very specific and limited way? Well, the, the bill, um, the text of the bill, we won't see until this afternoon. So, so 
we've got this kind of extraordinary situation for the last couple of days from the, the leak that went into the um, the Financial Times two days ago, that the government's intention was to resile from from um, the commitments that it had made. And you're right, they're, they're in, in, you know, ensconced in international law um, from from the, the withdrawal agreement um, last year. So, so, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a big dramatic moment. And, and I think this has got to be seen in the context of the government's ongoing negotiations with Michel Barnier and with the EU um, about the the nature of the Brexit deal, I think I think every I think that inf- that that informs everything that's going on at the, the, at the moment. I mean, there are some people who suggest that this internal market bill that's going to be published today is really a, a fairly gentle exercise in, in policing post Brexit arrangements between um, the British government and the devolved administrations. But of course, as as you say, there's a, there's a particular issue and a particular sensitivity around Northern Ireland yeah. and the Ireland Protocol. And, and I think a lot of us understand that. But the key thing about yeah. this that the government was saying was that this is, this was about um, you know what we're going to do in the event that we don't have uh, some sort of free trade deal with the government. Now, we have seen also the resignation of Sir Jonathan Jones, QC. He's the Treasury Solicitor. He's the government's top legal official. He resigned in protest uh, over uh, this, this plan, in his view, to sort of tear up parts of the Brexit deal. Uh, Theresa May, the former Prime Minister, also said this would undermine our uh, a trust in the UK government. Um, there is a fair point, though, that that, that actually, the, you know, the EU constantly breaks international law and international treaties. It breaks its own rules all of the time. Um, we haven't actually seen the bill so far, although I suppose we can trust that the QC who's resigned is, is unhappy. But but there is a requirement on the EU under Article 50, we discussed this on the show yesterday, under the law, they are required under this agreement to be making, you know, to make proper efforts to actually come up, you know, to come to a trade deal. That's part of Article 50. It's in the Lisbon Treaty, which we all signed. The EU, one could argue, by being so intransigent on fish fishery rights and uh, uh, and state aid is actually not actually making those efforts. So the EU's already in breach anyway, in which case, why is everyone such a fuss about Britain breaking the rules? I think I think it's a sensitivity about, about Northern Ireland and the Northern Ireland Protocol. It, it comes back to this was the big sticking point um, in securing the Brexit um, agreement that we've got so far anyway. I think, I think the, the assumption was at the very, very start, Theresa May back in 2017, um, sorting out the arrangements for the Irish border because, of course, there's a land border with um, the European Union um, and, and the British state, uh, which is different, of course, to Scotland and, and Wales. Uh, that, that was going to be a fairly straightforward thing to, to get past. And, of course, it wasn't. It was a very, very difficult um, issue uh, for in terms of domestic politics and in terms, in terms of, in terms of the, the support that the Irish government's got um, with the European Union to, to, to kind of ensure that there is no hard border uh, on the island of Ireland, which of course is is, is one of the, the kind of underpinnings of the Good Friday Agreement. So there's a lot of sensitivity about any 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 reference to that border and any kind of, as I say, resiling from commitments that have already been given. And and you're right, there's been there's been a reaction in British politics. Bob Neill, chair of the Justice Committee, Theresa May, obviously as a former Prime Minister, um, voicing concern at the the phrase that Brandon Lewis used about. Um, there would be a very specific and, and limited um, um, breaching of, inter- of international law, which, of course, is, has, has got lots of people talking about, well, I'll use the same defense for my yeah. parking ticket. Um, but it, 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 in a sense, the, the, the big issue is, is, is looking, um, of course, to, to the EU, uh, which, as I say, is in absolute lockstep with the Irish government. So, 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 so if there's going to be you know, some hardball negotiations, that does play both ways. But it's, it's also the question of how this plays in America as well. We've got a presidential election. We've got, a, we've got a kind of loose promise from Donald Trump for a big comprehensive trade deal. 
He might not make it, of course, back in, in, in November. If Joe Biden wins, Joe Biden as an Irish American and a big supporter of the Good Friday Agreement will take a very dim view of this. And some of his outriders already in the last day or so have been saying that they're very, very concerned with uh, with developments here. Yeah. And of course, the Democrats control um, the process for, for ratifying um, a trade deal anyway. And they've already and said... A lot of saber yes. on Capitol Hill. Yeah. Just finally, very briefly, if you will, uh, Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader's reaction to this was last night and he did various interviews, but he, he seemed to be very much focusing on, look, we need to get a deal. He, he It seemed to me, despite the fact that obviously he got a huge amount of support because he is a, a leading Remainer, that actually he kind of wants the whole Brexit issue done and dusted and wants to move on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think he probably speaks for a lot of people in this country that just want to get get past this and move on anyway. But I think it's also significant. It's a significant sense that look, I'm not refighting battles of yeah. the past and wasting energy on that. Let's let's just get this sorted yeah. and get. Through it. Goodness me, don't we all feel that way? Uh, lovely to speak to you, Kevin Mar. Thanks for that. Is it uh, those thoughts? Former Labour advisor to former Northern Ireland secretary. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and the Times. Know your Times. Delighted to welcome right now the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning. How Good are morning. you? Um, well, I've got to be honest, I'm quite miserable and angry and depressed this morning, uh, Health Secretary, thanks to the announcement of the new uh, measures, the first national measures to be reimposed since the restrictions eased in May. £100 fine if you have a social gathering of more than six people. It's going to be illegal from next Monday. Can you explain to me and all the other people listening who've been doing the right thing from word go, we've obeyed all the measures, washing our hands, we're wearing masks, we're, we're going back to work, we're doing everything we can. Why yeah. us not meeting in a household of, say, you know, Maybe maybe there maybe there are three kids in each of the families, so there's ends up being eight of you meeting in your home outdoors, doing everything right, not hugging or kissing, anything like that. Why us not meeting anymore is going to make a blind bit of difference to what twenty year olds in Bolton or Manchester are doing, who are spreading the virus. Well, sadly, um, sadly, Julia, we are seeing the spread of the virus predominantly um, between households. Yes, amongst young people in. Yeah, for instance, in Bolton, where I've had to take some really firm action, uh, but also across the board. And we've got to protect uh, jobs and livelihoods, and we've got to protect education. So important that the kids have got back to school. Uh, and um, we and, and tackle the virus where we see it being uh, transmitted. And, and also there were, there were totally, I think, understandably, people were saying, well, yeah, I don't know what the rules are. Because um, they were, there was a complicated set of rules that we'd brought in place as we'd re, as we'd uh, lifted lockdown, uh, and so we've brought in a much much simpler and straightforward rule. Well, we know, don't we, from when Boris uh, met with MPs last week of his own party when he asked uh, what, how many people were allowed to gather in different households. People didn't know the rules, and they're the MPs uh, who voted for the laws allowing some of this. Um, six people from separate households, adults and children, indoors, outdoors, homes, gardens, pubs and restaurants. A lot of people yeah. are very confused. So they can't meet with seven people or eight people, uh, whether they're from separate households or all the same household, um, uh, in, in the even in the pub or at home. But they can go to the pub, have a table of six people and be surrounded by all the other people. Can you I mean, there's obviously a good reason for this. Can you explain why it is that you can have strangers around you in the workplace, on the train, on the bus, in the supermarket, anywhere? But you can't have people you know around you. That's then breaking the law. So it's super simple. You can't gather in groups of more than six. Now, in a pub, for instance, go to the pub group of six, fine. It is the pub's responsibility to ensure that your group is separate and doesn't pass on to other groups. And in fact, we're strengthening 
the law around the pub's responsibility as well. So exactly as you say, um, it, the rule is that you, your responsibility is not to gather in groups of more than six. When you go to work, it's your employer's responsibility under law uh, to make sure your, uh, your, your workplace is COVID secure. And we're finding very little transmission from workplaces. Occasionally it happens and then we go in and take action, but very little. Um, and obviously schools have a set of rules that work for schools as well that we've done a lot of work on. So it, it, precisely to keep it super simple, uh, we have that the rule that you can't gather with more than six. Okay, but 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 you can be around plenty of other people who who may or may not have the virus, who may or may not be socially distancing, but you're not breaking the law. I mean, that, do you no, understand why? No. Well, they'll no, be breaking I... the law, but you're you're but you're not breaking the law. That that's the thing. An awful lot of people are going to say, I don't understand why I can be doing all be, being in places where other people are breaking the law, uh, if or even be around a load of people who aren't breaking the law, but just because I don't know them. It's not a criminal offence, but if I know them, then I am breaking the law. Do you see why a lot of people will think this is insane? No, I totally disagree with you. Um, the, uh, the, the rule is super simple. You don't gather in groups of more than six. And it is the if you're, say, in a pub and there's another group, it is the pub's responsibility to keep uh, those two groups uh, socially distanced. That's what the rules are. Okay. They'll be legally enforceable for the pub. And they're legally enforceable okay. your, for your responsibility not to meet, group, meet in groups more than six. It's partly because of uh, people not being certain about the rules previously. And as I say, I've got a lot of sympathy for that view. And as you've you reported something I didn't know about, about uh, colleagues of mine. Um, that's why we're bringing in super simple rules. Really straightforward. Okay. But, very, but, very easy to follow. You and I and both, yeah. stronger enforcement. Okay. So that people who do follow the rules, exactly as you say, uh, don't suffer from people who don't follow the rules uh, just getting away with it. But you and I both know that there have been people who've not been breaking, not been obeying the rules. So we young people not socially distancing. We've seen again in Leicester, Bolton, Greater Manchester, uh, lots of different areas where we've seen in Glasgow as well, obviously out of your jurisdiction. But... Um, People who are, are just not socially distancing, sometimes not in the workplace, not in their own homes. It's been a big issue, particularly with multi-occupancy homes. Um, why why are we in a situation where, to all intents and purposes, we've got a teacher in you and Boris Johnson but punishing the entire class, putting us in detention for the next month um, because one kid at the back is messing about. The rest of us who are obeying the rules, who are being sensible, are now being forced to face tougher restrictions in terms of us being able to see family members, being able to see our friends, even if we're doing it all very sensibly and putting no one at risk because other people aren't obeying the rules. Do you see why that doesn't feel fair? to a lot of us? I'm afraid it, it, this is, I think, the fairest way to keep control of the virus in a way that it works and people can easily understand whilst also protecting work and protecting uh, schools. Now, you mentioned Bolton. Actually, we've come in with much stricter restrictions uh, in Bolton precisely because the numbers were going up. You also mentioned Leicester, where we put in a local lockdown, and that's really worked. And the rate in Leicester has come down to more or less the, the, the national level. So you know, the people in Leicester, people in Bolton, I'm, uh, have done their 
well, people in Leicester have done their bit. People in Bolton are just having those restrictions in, imposed now. So absolutely, the, the point that you make, that, at the heart of what you're saying, which is the fairness argument of people who are doing the right thing, not having the sacrifices they're may, making undermined by other people flouting the rules, that's actually one of the reasons for the changes that we've made, because they're much easier to enforce. The police, I met the police, head, heads of the police, uh, with the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary last week, they were really clear. They said you've got to have simpler, okay. more straightforward rules and fines to, so right. that if people break them, we can easily uh, sort it out. What, what about the people who are saying that these measures are not going to make any difference to those who will carry on flouting the law? We've still well, got then some... we'll bring the police in, right? Okay. That, that's part of the purpose. And, and the fines start at £100, but they go up to £3,200 okay. for repeat offenders. All exactly. Right. So I, to- I, I think we're on the same page. Are we, are we... Are we, allowed just, to, are we allowed to break yeah. the law in a very limited and specific way, to quote the Northern Ireland Secretary regarding Brexit? Are we allowed to, are we allowed to say if we are, if I do meet up with, say, with six other people, so we now got seven, I'm allowed to say to the police officer, but I'm breaking the law in a very limited and specific way. Is that allowed? No, no. It's not obviously. a defence? No. Are you sure about that? Because your government does seem to think that is a defence for breaking the law. No. Um, the the question of delivering Brexit is completely separate to the question of controlling the virus, okay. and uh, I think I think I think we could probably agree that we need to get on and deliver Brexit, okay. and we need to do it in a way that protects the peace in Northern Ireland, right. which is uh, which is the approach. We're taking. Let's come back to the issue of the virus, okay? But I know yeah. that we are seeing new infections are going up. We know we've yeah. seen that they're doubling at a rate that we were seeing back in early April. And the last time we yeah. spoke, we were saying there wasn't an increase in hospitalizations and deaths in other in, in say in France, and you pointed out there were. We've now seen. Yeah. A rise in the death rate here uh, or death numbers uh, here in yeah. the UK. Um, yeah. There are also those who are saying that actually, you know, the, 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 we, are, we have to, as we have come out of lockdown, as we see schools return, universities coming back, people going back to the workplace, that we do need to accept that there is a, a risk and it's a trade-off of risks, the economy, yeah. deaths from people not, for instance, getting treatment for cancer or heart disease and the like versus people dying of COVID. Um, do we not need to have a more honest conversation that should be led by the government about the number of people who will inevitably die from coronavirus this winter in return for the rest of us getting back to some semblance of normal life and getting our economy going? Do we not need to have an honest conversation about this? Well, uh, we absolutely uh, are, I think. I think that I totally get and I feel and these 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 competing challenges, right? So, for instance, getting work back whilst at the same time uh, and getting the schools back whilst at the same time controlling the virus is a is is a, a way of balancing so uh, we we accept that we are going to see people die. We, we every year we see thousands of people die from flu. A few years ago, I think we had fifteen thousand people died from flu. We may have a bad uh, flu virus this Christmas. So, Coronavirus. What? Give me an idea. What sort of level of deaths do we think is acceptable for the rest of us being able to go about our normal daily lives? So I was going to come on to this point because we do have to balance these issues, the di- difference between livelihoods and uh, controlling the virus. But the thing about this virus is that in its normal state, without any social distancing, each person passes it on to two or three others. Um, and the, dub- the it doubles every three yeah, to four days. But we are socially me- distancing. Hold on, Julia. Let me just explain. Or try. I, I'll try to, and you tell me whether I do it very well. The the um the point is that if this virus gets out of control, then it shoots up. It isn't that you can control it at a higher level. 
it's that it shoots up and we've seen that in different we saw that here and we saw all the way around the world and then we've seen it in other countries in in europe as well in the second wave and so the the challenge is that it doesn't matter at what level the virus is if it's shooting up it's gonna keep going unless you take the action that's necessary so that's why i'm so that's why it's so important that we follow the rules that we keep the virus under control because there isn't there isn't that trade-off what there is is a determination but, to try to get the but balance we also, right. we also know that the vast majority of people who die from this virus are elderly people perhaps in the last few months of their lives anyway it's all very tragic yeah. and awful for them and their families yeah. no one's saying it isn't we're not saying old people are expendable i'm not suggesting that for a moment but nevertheless shutting down an entire economy massive restrictions on the liberties of, of millions of people we had all education affected it's still being affected children aren't living a normal life at school right now in return for keeping a few thousand people who very tragically are near the end of their lives anyway because those are the people who are realistically going to die is that a fair trade-off because a lot of people now are questioning whether it is that isn't the choice that's available to us the choice that's available is do we see hundreds of thousands of deaths we're not going to see hundreds of thousands of deaths no that's not well we're not you're right no no but we're not because no one no but matt hancock no one is suggesting we all go back to completely normal life we can carry on social distancing we can wash our hands and we can have our masks on as they've done in sweden and there's no reason why we would see hundreds of thousands of deaths or even tens of thousands of deaths in that circumstance and you know that no i don't agree with that the point that i'm trying to make is that once the virus uh gets out of control as we've seen in other countries, then it keeps going up. It doesn't It doesn't level off. It keeps going up. Sweden didn't um, see it keep going up. It's gone down in exactly the same rate at which it's gone down in every other country that's done a lockdown. One of the key things about this no, pandemic we've seen... You, no, no, hold on. Yes, it has. You can look at the graphs. I, I can tell you exactly what's happening in Sweden. In Sweden, they saw... 10 times the number of deaths in neighbouring Norway. There were, now, there, you the know, there are perfectly ex- reasonable explanations for why that happened in Norway and why that happened. There, there are, yes, it's and nothing the to do with that lockdown. The reasonable explanation is that the Norwegian government took action very there similar to There are plenty of other explanations to explain no, large, large but, aspects of that as well. You know, it's too much that, to go that, into right now. No, the re- it isn't too much to go into. It's really simple. Norway took action similar to ours and Sweden didn't. And Sweden had 10 times as many deaths. The and pattern, I don't want to see The pattern of the pandemic has been remarkably similar, or some would say almost identical in virtually every country, regardless of when they locked down, how far they locked down, whether they locked down or not. Well, I, I'm afraid that's not true. Okay. And the, 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 the proposal of, uh, you know, the, the reason that we're taking this action is to keep people safe whilst also protecting people's okay. livelihoods. Right. And schools. I know we're going to have to leave this now. I know you've got to get to your next interview, Matt Hancock, Health Secretary. Lots of your staff getting in touch, shouting at me. Sorry, he was late to us. I wanted to have a conversation, actually, make sure my listeners actually understood what was really going on. Really appreciate the, uh, the Health Secretary. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.